Hello, everybody. It's Ken Meyer once again. Welcome to City Talk on our first show of the new year, 2021. And man, am I glad 2020 is gone. Our guest, I think, is one of the most respected journalists in the city of Boston, a guy with, as my instructor used to say in college, a great set of pipes, and also a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of knowing for 25 to 30 years. And he is none other than Mr. Rod Fritz. Rod, how you doing? You know, I'm doing just great, Ken. Thank you for asking me, and thank you for allowing me to be on the program with you. Um, first and foremost, how have you been, been holding up because of this virus business that we've all had to suffer through? I've been holding up okay. Um, <clears throat> I've been retired from radio uh since uh what 2018 in may april of 2018 so um you know the fact that uh, COVID hit in uh, 2020 i had already been retired for a little over a year and uh so things haven't changed too much the only difference is you know not being able to go out and meet with people and uh, you know, having uh, gatherings uh, with your friends, that's been very difficult. Although I have been able to get out on the golf course a lot this past summer, even with COVID. So <laughs> that's been a good thing. Now, I miss being on the air when I hear people do interviews. It was very hard for me in the beginning, not so much now, but it was very hard for me in the beginning because I would sit back and think, man, I wish I was doing that interview. Do you sometimes get that feeling in your gut that you still miss it that much? Sometimes I do, Ken. To be perfectly honest, the way that uh, I departed from radio uh, left a little bitter taste in my mouth. So consequently, uh, I, I did miss it for uh, the first couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, after that, I didn't because of the, of the, uh, of the way that uh, the business has has gone the past decade uh it's not the business that i got into way back when and uh, it's a totally different business now and so i don't really miss that part of it what i do miss is every once in a while when there's a big story like covid this past year and uh like this election uh this past year i miss i miss that I miss doing New Hampshire primary and uh, election night coverage. And I also miss the big stories when they happen because I, I always found myself getting involved in, well, I felt like I always asked the right questions too, you know, whenever there was a, 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 a catastrophic uh, you know, incident that happened to be going on. All right, we're, we're going to get to all that. But before we do that, I know you are involved and have been involved in some charity work. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that and how that works. Well, since I've been retired, uh, I was asked to uh, join uh, with a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Gene Hartigan, who is the CEO of this uh, uh, nonprofit uh, group that is called Aframed Network, uh, that's A-F-R-I-M-E-D Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Aframed Network. And what we are planning to do, we've been doing 
we've been working on this for the past two years. Uh, first, it took a while to get all of the paperwork done so that we could call ourselves uh, a nonprofit, the 5013C. And, um, but we plan on building mobile medical units in the rural areas of Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa, which is the Ivory Coast of West Africa. And um, we're looking for donations. We're looking to, uh, for grants. Uh, and we want to get these mobile medical units built over in Cote d'Ivoire so that we can help the, the people who have no medical care or coverage at all. And uh, we will provide uh, uh, a medical coverage and uh, medical treatment uh, in these rural areas free of charge because they can't afford they can't afford that i mean my goodness they have a rough time just surviving um, their mortality rate is 20 to 25 years less than ours in the united states so it, it's very it, it's really something that i never thought i'd get involved in but i have been uh, I'm the media relations director at uh, AfraMed Network and uh, trying to drum up, uh, drum up publicity. The problem is until we actually get some donations to come in, some money to come in so we can operate and grants to come in as well, which by the way, if anyone has ever applied for a grant, you know what I'm talking about. It is a long, <laughs> yeah. long out process. And, um, and uh, once we get that going, once we get uh, some of these mobile units up and running in the rural areas of Cote d'Ivoire, then, you know, we're looking to then generate some, some publicity and get some stories in some national publications and or, uh, you know, uh, national networks. And then we think things will really start to kick off. But we're very excited about it. Everything is 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 coming along as planned. We haven't, you know, rushed it through. We've done it step by step by step. We have a man, Ray Coffey, who is on the ground in Cote d'Ivoire and has been. He is a, he, a, a, a West Ivorian and uh, grew grew up there, but has spent a lot of time in Boston and um, we're just so excited about getting this going so that we can help these people in West Africa, uh, in the Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire is the name of the country now, but most of us know it as the Ivory Coast. And um, once we get that going, it's going to be very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, Ken, I never thought after all my years in radio uh, that I would end up uh, in the twilight uh, of my life actually doing something like this, but I'm very excited about it and uh, looking forward to getting the uh, mobile units started over there so we can help these people who really do need our help as far as medical care goes. Well, you're, you're working with a good guy. I've known Gene as you have for, for many, many years. And he's a guy who, like many of us were, um, as they say, left at liberty uh, at one point by... Uh, uh, the organization that owned WEEI at the time, and he's landed on his feet and managed to survive and gotten a lot of frequent flyer miles. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think you're doing all right. Well, we're, 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 like I said, we're trying. 
And if anybody wants to check out our website, uh, we're in the process of revamping the website, but it's, it's, it's been up and running now for about a year. And uh, the website is www.aframednetwork. That's A-F-R-I-M-E-D-N-E-T-W-O-R-K dot org. And um, the story of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the charity that we're putting is on there. Our mission is on there. Uh, the group of people that we have uh, uh, helping to, to run this, all of the biographies are on there, and it's a, it's a great group of people, and uh, I couldn't be more excited about it, but aframednetwork.org, and thank you for putting the plug in, letting me put the plug in. Have, have you been over there at all in the last two years? I have not been over there. Gene Hardigan has been over there. Uh, he tells me that this summer I will be going over. Uh, you know, in, you know, to be honest with you, Ken, there's been no reason for me to go over there as a media relations director just yet. But once things get going, yes, I'll be going over. Uh, one of the things that I was very proud of that you did for a while and unfortunately got dropped um, later on was the reporter's roundup that you would do every day uh, at, at 1230 in the afternoon. I really yeah. enjoyed that. I thought that was something else. Well, thanks. I really enjoyed it too. Uh, it was uh, it, it was a labor uh, intensive uh, half hour, but it, you know, it it was it 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 brought the story home. I think uh, at at the as you know, uh, just the regular news anchor and news writer, um, you know, your stories are short. You have short stories. But in reporting, we were able to do two, three, four, five-minute interviews on each individual story with each individual reporter who actually covered those stories, which made it even better. And it wasn't a talk show, so there were no opinions that were given uh, during Reporters Roundup. It was all fact-based stories. You know, it was very well balanced, and uh, it, it gave people the in-depth coverage of a, of a story that we would pick out every morning uh, and go with whether it be a local story, a national story, or even an international story. I mean, I can recall interviewing, uh, you know, reporters from CBS uh, Network uh, over in South Africa or in England, uh, uh, even in parts of uh, uh, Syria uh, when when the battles were going on in the Mideast. And... Um, it was just a great experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's too bad that it got yanked, uh, but it did. And it got yanked before I even left the business. And uh, that's one that's one that I, that I do miss. I do miss that. But if you recall, Ken, when you and I worked at the old WEEI news radio, um, we used to do a show on WEEI that was called... Um, now I have to, I'm, I'm having a break here for the moment. Uh, the Evening Review. Mm -hmm. The EEI Evening Review. And I did that every night from, I believe it was from 6.30 to 7 or from 6 to 6.30. I can't remember the exact time. And my producer for The Evening Review, drum please, was none other than Jonathan Hall, a young... Huh 
Jonathan Hall, who now is, is on Channel 7 uh, here in Boston, WHDH-TV, and has been uh, an anchor and a reporter at Channel 7 for, oh, gee, a number of years now. And he and I still keep in touch, and we have a great time uh, reminiscing about the, the stories that we used to cover on the Evening Review. And it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, what was it, two weeks ago, Ken, that General uh, Chuck Yeager passed away? Yeah, yep. We had Chuck Yeager on the Evening Review to talk about the shuttle explosion, the Challenger shuttle uh, explosion, when that uh, blew up in 1986, I believe, in yep. January. And um, I'll never forget John Hall, who who finally was able to get his phone number through, and this is a young guy working, you know, in, in the business, John Hall at the time, you know, uh, fresh, pretty much out of college. He was able to get his home phone number and calls up Chuck Yeager. And he reminded me, you know, when Chuck Yeager passed away, that when he made that phone call, Chuck Yeager didn't answer the phone and say, hello. Chuck Yeager answered the phone and would say, Yeager. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I, and I know what that's like. I remember working, uh, calling all sports on a Sunday night with a fellow named Dick Stockton. Oh, yeah. And the first night we were on the air, Joe Namath got hurt in an exhibition game when he was playing for the Jets. And somehow, and I don't know how we did it, we got Joe Namath's doctor who hadn't made a statement to anybody to come on WBZ and, and talk about the extent of Joe Namath's injury. And man, I can't tell you what a thrill that was. I just sat there and said, wow, we did this. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a good feeling when things like that do come together. And of course, Ken, you know as, as well as I do, there were many, many other times when you try to get a hold of someone and you just can't. And, uh, and it doesn't matter who you know, how many, how many phone numbers you try to connect with. Uh, you just can't, can't get that person that you want to talk to. But then again, they're the ones like you're talking about. Boom, there they are. And, uh, and, and the story just goes. And you have a great time talking to these people. You know, that brings back another memory, too. We were trying to get Phil Donahue once uh, because he was going to moderate um, – something with the Democratic Party, a debate or something. And I tried everything and, and I couldn't get them. And I was very disappointed. The station was disappointed. And then all of a sudden during our, our news hour that we, that we did for a while from six to seven o'clock, the phone rang and Phil Donahue was on the other end. Boy, <laughs> oh boy, I was so excited. I mean, that was like jumping up and down, sitting in a chair. Yeah, you know, that yeah. that that really was something. So uh, I know I know, and we both know what a great feeling that was and is to be able to land a, as you would put it, a big fish like a Phil Donahue or a uh, or a Chuck Yeager. Yeah, absolutely, it's really something. Now, let's talk about some some current events. Uh, as I commented to uh, our mutual friend Judy Paparelli. A little while ago, I have never in my lifetime seen as many books written as I have 
about this particular administration that is currently in the White House than, than, than what's been happening. I mean, there have been many written on JFK, but JFK has passed away. But the Trump administration, my gosh, it's, it seems like one thing after another, they don't stop. No, they don't stop. And uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after Trump leaves uh, the White House. And I fully expect that he will. Um, you yeah. know, what, what, what's the media going to talk about then? And what stories will be written uh, then? Because for the last four years, as you mentioned, there have been, there have been a lot of books that have been written about Trump. Um, uh, most of them been like mommy dearest books, <laughs> but there have been a few positive books as well, but uh, uh, those are few and far between. So after he leaves, you know, you got to wonder, gee, what, uh, what is everybody going to talk about? I mean, all the late night talk shows, you know, the, uh, the Tonight Show, uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Show, the uh, Steve Cor uh, Cor Corbert Show, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be run. They're going to run out of material. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to just see what they do. Actually, maybe there'll be an opening for finally some comedy writing that we so much deserve and 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 need at these moment of time. You know, that's funny because I used to be a real devotee of Johnny Carson. I loved Johnny Carson, and when Ronald Reagan was in office, Carson come up would come up with comedy stuff and do the best imitation of Ronald Reagan I ever heard in my life. And now I don't even watch the late night talk shows anymore. Yeah, I don't watch them uh, that much either. I do watch them once in a great while. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'll get my Johnny Carson Phil on YouTube. And, yep. uh, and you can catch little snippets of, uh, of things with Johnny. I, I, it's funny you bring up Johnny Carson. Just yesterday, Ken, I happened to be on YouTube, and I don't know why it popped up, but it popped up, and there was a little segment that said, watch Johnny Carson break this toy aircraft carrier on television. And I'm thinking, wow, I haven't seen this before. So I open it up, I start watching it, and here's this three-foot-long aircraft carrier toy, uh, might have even been longer than three feet, um, that some guy had built. And it had a small little jet that would take off on a, on a wire, go up and around, and then come back, and you have to try to land it back on the aircraft carrier. And it was hilarious watching Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson playing with this three-foot-long <laughs> aircraft carrier uh, on The Tonight Show. And only once did they land the jet back on, uh, on the aircraft carrier. The other times it crashed all over the place. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. We have both shared comments and experiences with a lady named Carol Burnett. Oh, yeah. Whom I saw maybe a year or so ago in Worcester. And I was thrilled because she actually spoke to me and answered my question. And I found a segment on YouTube with her and Johnny Carson. <laughs> and she was talking about being at a Jimmy Stewart 25th anniversary party. And Carson broke my neck because one of the questions he asked her was, she talked about dancing with Jimmy Stewart. And Carson said, does Stewart dance the way he talks? And I never laughed so hard at anything in my life. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, I was uh, uh, honored and and pleased to, to be able to interview uh, her when uh, she was given the uh, SAG uh, a Person of the Year award, the Screen Actors Guild Person of the Year award, SAG after now. And uh, she was just a wonderful interview. Just we had a great time talking about, you know, her career and uh, and the fact that she enjoys what she's doing now and is still loving life to this day. And uh, what a what a wonderful, wonderful entertainer and lady uh, who never let the business go to her head like some other people have. <laughs> if you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm working on trying to get her. To do this program and i hope if all the right connections are made she'll do it because i i really loved her and and the work that she did and just admired her as a talent in fact if you're ever interested there's a great if you remember the panel show what's my line she was yep. on it as a mystery guest and it is on youtube so you can view it and it's a it's a great segment it's a great I'll, segment i'll just have to check it out absolutely Oh yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Um, but now let, let's talk about stuff that's going on currently with all the with all the negativity that has been around uh, with the Trump administration. I, I have a hard time believing that so many people still voted for him. I don't understand it. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people have asked me that that very question, you know, uh, how can they vote for Trump? Well, they they vote for Trump, I think this would be my opinion, because he's not a typical politician. And um, and he and he actually says what's on his mind. Sometimes, I mean, I've been saying since day one, since he was inaugurated, He's been on Twitter way too much. He should get off Twitter. He should find someone else to, to do it. Uh, uh, but he just, you know, keeps putting his foot in his mouth whenever he gets on Twitter uh, doing stuff. But, but I, I, I think the reason he got so many votes is because people actually liked what he did. You know, if you look back over the four years, there were a lot of things that he did that were, were very, very good for the United States of America. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, the Democrats, you, you never acknowledged that he won the election back in, in 2016. And, uh, and, and I say, unfortunately, because if they had, like any other person had won, you know, maybe they would have gotten something done in Congress over these last four years. These people haven't done anything. And, and you know, and they're collecting a salary and they're getting great health care. They're getting the the, the uh, coronavirus vaccine before anybody else does. Um, they finally passed the stimulus bill, uh, giving six hundred dollars uh, uh, to you know Americans. And of course, if you remember uh, when Trump uh, passed and and had his uh, uh, tax uh, plan, the, the IRS stuff that was all revamped and a thousand dollars extra. Uh, for people, you know, uh, in, in taxes, and Nancy Pelosi said a thousand dollars is nothing, and yet then they go and pass something with just six hundred dollars. Now, they're they're working to revamp that six hundred dollars because President Trump said he wants to see two thousand go out for everyone and four thousand to couples. So we'll see if they get that done. Um, 
but but you know your initial question is why would so many people vote for him well because they think he was able to to accomplish things that other administrations hadn't been able to get done and um you know uh, uh, joe biden you know you know god bless him you know I, uh, you know, he was elected uh, and he's going to take over and we'll see what happens over the next four years. We are talking with one of the best journalists in the city of Boston here on City Talk. Rod Fritz is his name in case you, God help you, don't recognize that voice. But <laughs> another thing that's, that's surprising to me is Trump's behavior. I mean, he lost the election, the Electoral College voted in favor of Biden because of the number of, of, of votes that occurred with the different states. And Trump still will not concede the fact that he ain't going to be president anymore. No, you're right. And, and I don't understand why he won't, because it's, it's, it's going to help in smoothing relations between the Republicans and the Democrats if he would just admit, yes, okay, the Electoral College has spoken. Uh, Joe Biden is the president-elect, and I will work hard in the transition to make sure that he understands what I've been working on so that we can continue on and see what happens. I don't know why he's doing it, because his ego, Ed, uh, Ken, his ego, <laughs> is it Ken? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was when I got up. Yeah, okay. His, I, I think his ego uh, is just so big that you know he can't believe that uh, that 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 you know he he didn't win re-election. Uh, well, hey, count the votes and and you lost. And you know, be a man and admit the fact that you lost and yep. and, and move on. And if you want to run for president again in four years, run for president in four years. But this baloney here of uh, of uh, saying there was a fraud in the election. Hey, listen. There's fraud in every election. Every time somebody, uh, a, a national election, it's just not an overwhelming fraud, but there's always fraud. Uh, we've had dead people voting in Chicago for years. And <laughs> just ask, I mean, how do you think Mayor Daley got reelected so many times? <laughs> the phrase okay. in Chicago was get up early so you can vote early and vote often. <laughs> yeah, so, I've heard that before. There's been that, you know, the, the the fraud that the president is talking about, President Trump, none of it's been proven. There have been no proven uh, cases of fraud. There might have been some minor cases here and there, but uh, nothing which would overturn the election. That's for darn sure. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I personally um, am, am one who believes that if you're going to vote, uh, you should go vote at the polling place, uh, unless you're going to be out of town and then you can grab an absentee ballot. I'm not a fan of a regular mail ballot. Uh, I think there can be some mistakes in that. There haven't been that many, so thank goodness it, it does work, and I'm, I suspect that we'll have it down the road. But I go to the polls, and I vote in the polls, uh, at the polls at, at my precinct, because that's what I think that that's what election day is for. That's why we have an election day. And I vote on, I don't vote ahead of election day. I vote on election day. And well, that's me. Ordinarily, I would agree with that, but I got a hunch something called COVID 
kind of changed the outlook of America. Well, it did. It certainly did. But, you know, what's the difference in standing in line at the precinct and standing in line at the grocery store or standing in line at the uh, local uh, department store like Walmart, Kohl's and Target? Is there a difference? Have you stopped going to the grocery store? Have you stopped? Uh, have you stopped going to the department store? No, you still do. So you can you can also go to the polling place. Now it might take you a little bit longer to vote, but I'll tell you this. Now, granted, we did have mail-in voting this year, so I can't judge this with anything in in the past. But I I didn't have to wait at all. It was just like any other year. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, the another you talk about Twitter and the remarks that that uh, the president has made. The same thing holds true with the with the COVID virus. I mean, he's telling everybody, don't be afraid of the virus. And he had it and he gets in a limousine and uh, shakes hands with his supporters. Seems a little strange, too. Oh, it's definitely strange. Uh, And. You know, uh, even though he says he was he was joking about it uh, when he said there's nothing wrong with uh, taking a couple of swigs of Clorox and or Lysol to to battle the disease. And uh, that that was just not the you know, those certain things that you can joke about and certain things you should not joke about. And that's something that you should not joke about. And as far as his his uh, uh, attitude and, 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 and what he's been, been doing during COVID, he's not been showing us uh, how, how we should re- be reacting. He hasn't been, in my opinion, uh, a, a, a real leader in fighting this disease. Uh, he should have started wearing a mask a long time ago. He should have made sure that all of his rallies were six, had six feet apart. None of that happened. And then consequently, you had people come down with the, with the disease. And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes in the COVID thing. How that being said, Ken, I'll tell you this. No one in the history of the world has been able to light a fire under pharmaceutical companies to be able to get a vaccine created, approved, and administered in such a short time ever. And he not only got one company to do it, he got two companies to do it. And now the COVID hit us, the pandemic hit us in March. Granted, it first started to arrive in January, but it really hit us in March. That's when we started the shutdowns of the economy. Since March, February, no, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Nine months later, we have a vaccine which people are now using. That, in my mind, is absolutely fantastic. Even uh, President-elect Joe Biden congratulated Trump, which was amazing, (laughs) on the warp speed program that Trump put together to make sure that the virus would go out to the American people as quickly as possible. Now, that being said, that's one thing that I think was great, but you're absolutely right. He should have been wearing a mask. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have uh, downplayed this virus at all. It's a very serious disease. You, me, hundreds of thousands of people, the millions who are listening to our voice right now, Ken, the millions who are listening to us, 
They've yeah. had locked themselves in their home. A lot of people are afraid to go out. Um, and, and you know, we, we, you, you wear a mask, you social distance, you don't get together in a group. You know, I've been out to dinner a couple of times during this pandemic, but I behave myself when I don't, we sit across from the table. We don't take our masks off until we're uh, served our cocktails and or dinner. And then we put the masks back on, uh, write the, uh, you know, pay the bill, leave the tip. Always leave more than a 20% tip. Now these people are really, really hurting. Uh, if you can afford it, you should be leaving 30, 35% tips now for these restaurant workers who have been really, really hard hit by this, this pandemic. So, you know, yeah, you know, the bottom line is I agree with everything you say about, you know, his actions during, during the pandemic, uh, but I'll give him credit for uh, lighting a fire under the pharmaceutical company. Granted, he didn't, he, want, he wasn't involved in the actual research and putting the vaccine together, but he sure did light a fire under him saying that we need this now. And, and we got it by the end of the year. Can you, it's never happened before. Now, what about some of these reporters, for example, who work for a newspaper or a network and they write a book about, about Trump? Can they still be classified as reporters by doing that? Well, I mean, I heard Chris Cuomo on CNN one day call himself a journalist. Uh, he's no more a journalist than... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, then uh, I'm trying to think of the guys, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah. That's who I'm, I mean, he's no more of a journalist than Rush Limbaugh. And that's because Chris Cuomo used to be a journalist. Since he's been on CNN and doing the shows, he's been nothing more than a talk show host. He's been a, a, someone who offers his opinion. He doesn't always do facts. He doesn't ask the, the, the right questions, in my opinion. He's always... He's always going for the jugular, and, and he's certainly not being fair about it. Um, so your question, after they write a book, can they be <laughs> called them, can they call themselves journalists? You know, technically, yes, but show me that you can do that in the work that you do as a journalist. When you're an author, that's one thing, and you can certainly offer your opinion when you are an author. A lot of these books... They offer opinions, uh, accusations, and they don't offer actual facts. Um, and there's no truth behind them. And the other thing is a lot of them quote anonymous sources. Um, well, you know, when I was a journalist, when I worked in the business, if I had an anonymous source tell me something about someone, I had to find another way to make sure that that was correct before I could say that it wasn't. Now, uh, that's 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 what I have to say about that. You know, I if you're going to be a journalist, be a journalist. You're going to be an author, be an author. You're going to be a talk show host, be a talk show host. Don't pretend you're one and do another. Yeah, Susan Warnock almost went to jail because she protected her source that gave her information. That's right, right. But you can bet as you can bet your bottom dollar that she probably didn't just rely on that one particular source. Uh, now. I'm that there were uh, other other ways that she could confirm what this person was saying you know i i sit here and watch the news every night david muir is a welcome guest in our home and what drives me crazy is for the first 15 minutes of the show 
they will do straight reporting with all different correspondents all over the country. They all do a good job. But after that, when they take their first break, when they come back, they'll tease an upcoming story or whatever. It may only take 10 seconds or less to read it. And then they take time out and go to commercials again. And they do that two or three times during a newscast. That drives me crazy. Yeah, uh, that's what drives me crazy about the ABC uh, 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 network cast with David Muir. The same thing that bothers you. Uh, in the second half of the show, uh, there's so many commercials. Uh, I guess they're making up for the first half, which they didn't have that many commercials. I frankly enjoy watching Nora O'Donnell on CBS. I think she does a great job. Uh, Lester Holt does a good job, too. Uh, I just don't watch him that often because I'm watching one of the other two. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, that's to me, you know, 10-second story, and then they go to a commercial. Then they come back, they do a 15- or 20-second story, and then they break again. And then they come back, they might do a two-minute story, then they break again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess they could get a lot of money for it. Well, yeah, you got to pay the bills with the with the commercials. The thing that I, the other thing that I've noticed uh, being at home a lot lately and watching television is uh, especially cable. Uh, and I'm not talking about the cable news shows here. I'm talking about all of the cable channels. Doesn't matter. Uh, they they all, they all seem to go to the commercial at the same time now. So that if you're yeah. uh, TNT. And you happen to be watching, say, uh, 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 an old Blue Bloods show, uh, and they go to a commercial. And so you click to go where Law and Order is on WeTV, and, and then you click on, uh, click on there, and they're in a commercial. And then you say, okay, well, let me see what's on the Food Network. And you go to the Food Network, and they're in a commercial. They're all in the commercial at yeah. the same time. Drives me crazy. But they got to pay the bills. Now, you, like me, our sports fan. Um, should baseball have been canceled? Should the NFL have been? Should all sports have been canceled rather than what they're doing now? No, uh, all sports should not have been canceled. Uh, baseball should have been canceled uh, because baseball uh, starts in April. Uh, the regular season starts in April. And uh, they didn't, they only played, what, 60 games? Was it 60 yep. games? Yep. Yeah, they only played 60 games. How do you put that in a record? How do you compare that with 169 games? Um, uh, it is 169 in a regular season, or is it 168? 162. Oh, well, it should be 168. <laughs> <laughs> 162 games during a regular season. Now they're having a 60-game season this past year, starting late. And as soon as they started, right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, you had a couple of teams that had numerous players come down with COVID. The one that I rem remember most vividly was the Florida Marlins. Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, cancel the whole season, for baseball anyway. I, 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 I think they didn't need that because, you know, how do you say – uh, in a 60, you have a home run champion in, in 60 games. You have an RBI champion in 60 games. You have an average champion in six. You can't compare that to any other season, uh, even back when they played 154 games. 
Um, and now they're playing a hundred. Boy, there better. There's going to be a lot of asterisks uh, next <laughs> to this entire season, even the World Series this year. Um, you know, I know the Dodgers won it, and I was happy because they lost uh, before because of the cheating Astros. Um, and uh, you know, they sh- when they when they kicked all those Astros and and suspended them, they should have, you know, taken away their World Series title as well, but they didn't. Um, but I don't think football should have been canceled. I think football did it okay. They, they, they pretty much <clears throat> canceled all of the preseason games and started out with the regular season. And, you know, for the most part, they've been doing okay. Sure, some people have been coming down here and there with COVID, but at least they got the entire season in. So uh, that's that. Basketball and hockey, um, unfortunately, came uh, their season had to stop uh, well, what midway through, right? And, yeah. Uh, and and so, you know, I know they they came back and played the Stanley Cup with some crazy setup that they had, and uh, I think they just should have stopped the season and and uh, and gone on from there. But you know, I, I, again, it comes down to money that the networks make and pay these teams as well. So. Uh, it, you know, follow the money, man. Follow the money. Are you surprised? I know I am that they still allow fans. I mean, they don't have a full stadium, but they still allow fans to uh, to be in the stadium. Like you mentioned, the playoffs, like the Atlanta Braves, for example, let families of uh, players and employees of the clubs in into the stands to watch the games. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I have mixed feelings about that. Uh, if you're a family member, uh, I don't really have a problem because you're with your family pretty much all the time anyway. Um, and uh, if you're outside, you're if, even if you're at the ballpark, you're going to be wearing a mask or you should be wearing a mask. They are social distancing between each of the families and each of the groups. Um, so that's not bad. If you look at the football games, some – Football teams allow, I believe it's 20% uh, capacity into the stadium, and others don't allow any, like Gillette Stadium. The Patriots did not allow any fans in. Um, but they social distance uh, in, the, in the stadiums that they do allow them. Um, and uh, so, I, I mean, I kind of have mixed feelings. You know, I, I'm one of these people that I believe what science says about COVID. And what they say is, if you wear a mask, if you wash your hands, if you use hand sanitizer, and if you wear a mask when you're out in in public, even if you're alone. Now, I don't wear a mask in my car when I'm driving, but when I get out of the car, it's the first thing I put on. Um, and you know, you're 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 going to be okay. Uh, you might still get it, but you're going to be better off than people who who don't do those things. And I, the things that the thing that worries me more uh, regarding, you know, fans in the stadium are the college uh, stadiums, where they allow the kids to come in because they don't believe anything, and they think they're never going to die. <laughs> so, you know, they're they're out there hooting and hollering and hugging and kissing and you know looking for their next date. Uh, in addition to watching a football game, and they don't care about the COVID, uh, most of them anyway. 
but they do try to keep them socially distant at these college uh, uh, stadiums. So we'll see what happens with basketball uh, when they start playing college basketball, because now all of a sudden you're inside. Uh, I'll be surprised if they let college kids inside arenas uh, at the uh, uh, when they start playing uh, major college basketball. All right, compound question. If you were a news director or managing a news organization, would you have them doing anything different than they are now? And also, what for you is the greatest memory that you will take away from your work in the business? I mean, if somebody asked me, I would say meeting and interviewing Raymond Burr. Hmm. Well, if, did. If, I were a, if I were a news director now, I, I would be fired um, <laughs> uh, because they, they wouldn't want to do anything that I, I want to do. I, uh, you know, I, I, as I said before, the business now is totally different than the business that I got into. And I actually worked for over 40 years uh, here in Boston and, and elsewhere. And when you think about it, the biggest, the biggest change in the radio news business is there's no competition anymore. Uh, I mean, back in the day, WBZ and WRKO, we all had our own news departments, WHDH radio, WEEI radio, uh, the news station. Um, uh, you know, there were others that even W, uh, MJX had a, had a news department. MEX had a news department. They all had news departments. They all competed against each other. Now, WBZ does the news on WRKO. Uh, you have, uh, uh, you, you have two NPR stations, so the national news that you hear on GBH and WBUR is the same. Is the same. There's, there's no difference whatsoever. Now, locally, they do compete against each other. Uh, there's some competition there between WBUR and WGBH, but on the AM side, there's no competition anymore. They don't care about competition. All they care about is making sure that the needle is moving and that they are covering what they consider to be the news. Uh, and some of it isn't, in my opinion, but that's what they consider to be the news. And they just want to make sure that uh, their numbers hold up so that they continue to sell commercials and spots and podcasts and all that stuff. And, um, and, and, and as soon as the numbers start to fall, then you're going to probably see some some drastic changes. But uh, right now, the numbers, you know, for the news station, which is WBZ, is holding very, very good. They've, they've, been, they've been doing very, very well. So hats off to them for what they're doing. How long it's going to last, that's, that's another person's question. So in answer to part one of your question, I would be running a news department totally different than the way it's being run now. And the owners of the radio station would not allow me to do that, so they would they would can my butt right out the door. Uh, that that's the first. The second part of your question is very difficult for me to answer uh, because, to be honest with you, Ken, I've covered a lot of different things. I've interviewed presidents. I've interviewed future presidents. I've interviewed uh, presidential wannabes. I've interviewed. Um, baseball stars, Hall of Fame baseball stars, football stars, uh, basketball, hockey, uh, uh, college, uh, you know, uh, sports uh, 
celebrities. Doug Flutie, for example. Uh, um, I worked with Dan Davis, who called the Flutie Pass. Uh, Dan and I are still friends to this day, uh, and, and we talk about that. Um, uh, that one moment in time for him, and he spent a wonderful career at ESPN. I worked at ESPN with Dan for uh, a year and a half, had a great time with him working down there. I worked at Fox News Radio. I know people say Fox News, oh my God. Hey, I, I got to be honest with you. When I worked at Fox News Radio, and that would have been in the 2006 time period, uh, it was very fair and balanced. I'll give you that. There was, there was no, uh, no pressure to, uh, to, to take a, a side one way or another. That's on the radio. Now, bear in mind, that's radio. Okay. Now, I've covered uh, I, I, the blizzard of 78 when I worked at WHDH. That is a memory that I'll never forget. That, that to me, is right up there with uh, some of the things that I've covered. The uh, massive fire that uh, hit the city of Lynn uh, in the 1980s, uh, that's, that's, that's a story that I'll never forget. Uh, I was working in Philadelphia, another fire story. I was working in Philadelphia, uh, and uh, the storage facility uh, where they keep all the gasoline and oil blew up. And um, that, was, that was a terrible story to cover. And I, uh, you know, I think about that as, as a memorable one. I can remember, uh, again, as a young reporter working in Tampa, Florida, back in the days of Watergate. Uh, do you remember Donald Segretti, the guy uh, who was the dirty tricks guy? Uh, and, and Donald Segretti was being uh, arraigned at the U.S. courthouse in Tampa, Florida. And I'm in the middle of a pack of reporters, you know, hollering. And I'm a 21-year-old guy just back from Vietnam and, you know, doing all these stories. So, uh, you know, chasing him, uh, that's a memory. Uh, that's a great memory that I have of the business that I've, uh, that I've covered. Um, the the uh, World Airways crash in Logan Airport where the front of the plane uh, fell off the uh, 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 the runway where the plane fell into the harbor and the front of the plane fell into the water. And uh, Leo Medcalf, I believe his name was, and his son, I can't remember his name, uh, but also Medcalf, uh, their bodies were never found. That's a story that uh, I'll never forget. The Boston Marathon bombing is a story that I'll never forget. I worked uh, very long that day. I didn't get home until, uh, geez, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, that, that, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, I, can I pick one? No, not really, because there are just too many, uh, that I remember, you know, the, and then there, I haven't even discussed the presidential elections that I've covered, which were, <laughs> you know. well, I'll tell you, um, you did bring, you brought back a lot of memories in my mind. I remember the story about the plane very well, as a matter of fact, yeah. and I remember a lot of the, the, the stories that you mentioned to, uh, I remember. I obviously didn't cover it, but I remember the uh, the tragic fire in Worcester where six firefighters passed away. Yes, and, that, and that's another one that I recall very well. And that's close to home for me because well, at the time, my brother, uh, Ronald Fritz, was a district fire chief in Worcester. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a rough one. And my but, son, Joseph, is now a Boston firefighter. So, yeah. So, you know, anytime there's a tragic fire, when you think about it, 
uh, it hits close to home, at least for me. It's, it hits very close to home. So uh, that's a top of mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it does. You know, you bring up those. Here's the other. Here's another funny tidbit to stories that you cover. You, you know, I mentioned the fire in Lynn, the massive fire that occurred in Lynn in the 1980s. And I think it was around 1980, I want to say 1983 uh, or 1982, something like that. Uh, and it happened on a weekend. And uh, I got a phone call from my news guy uh, who was working uh, a part-timer. And he was working, and I get a call at five o'clock in the morning. Mm. And he said, Rod, it's Mike. I'm calling to tell you that we got a situation here. Uh, you might want to call some people in to cover this. There, there's a fire in Lynn. And I said, Mike, listen, there's always a fire in Lynn. It's five o'clock in the morning. I don't want you to call me back unless the city of Lynn is burning down, okay? Click. I hang up. Ten minutes later, my phone rings. It's Mike from the radio station. He goes, Rod, the city of Lynn is burning down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, so, that's yeah. great, in, but tragic in another. Yes, yes. But I listen, I appreciate your time uh, coming on and sitting down and talking with me. It's, it's always a delight to have you and talk to you and be able to know you. You've been a good friend all these years. And, you know, if there's ever anything I can ever do to repay the favors, just name it. Um, uh, okay. Uh, send me a check. Uh, and the check should be in an amount with at least three or four zeros. As, uh, as Larry Cook used to say, hello, operator. Hello, <laughs> we have a bad line. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing, Ken, is when, when you first, when we first started uh, uh, chatting here today on the radio, you said that you've known me for 20, 25 years. It's actually been longer than that. You and I got to know each other uh, at WEEI after you left WBZ. And um, you were working there in, it would have been uh, 19... 80, uh, you were there before I was, so, and I went to work there, I got to think, what year was it that I was there? I, I came, uh, it would have, 82, 1982, I think I started working there, so count that back, 82. Okay, uh, I started in 85, in November of 85. Okay, so 85, 95, 2005, 2015, we've known each other uh, 35 years. Or, oh my or God! You take a couple you of years. Aged, you haven't aged one bit. No, thank you. I haven't. Uh, you know, I still run twenty six miles a day, and oh. Uh, and, and oh, that sounds more like fake news, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Who was it that used to say that? I'll think of it in a minute. But listen, oh, I, I want you for for sitting down and sharing your thoughts. Uh, they're always provocative. Um, and you're, and you're just a good guy and a, and a real credit to the radio business. And, uh, I hope you have a good new year and everything will work out a lot better than the last one. Well, I'm sure things will get better. They always do. And rest assured that we live in a country where we always seem to rebound no matter what, uh, we've always rebounded. We rebounded from the great depression. We rebounded from the Spanish flu in the uh, 1919, 
Not that I was around then, but a lot of people would say I was. Um, <laughs> and we've, we've managed to uh, uh, re we'll rebound from this. And it's been a pleasure to be on with you, uh, a Hall of Famer, I might add, the Massachusetts Broadcasters Hall of Fame, Mr. Ken Meyer. And hopefully, maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to join you uh, as, a, as a Hall of Famer, but not yet for some reason. Uh, I haven't made it in yet. One of these days, maybe. I certainly hope so. Rod, thanks very much for coming on. And uh, as I said, best best for the new year. Give my love to Carolyn, as always. And that will do it for this edition of City Talk. Good night, everybody. <laughs>